For February 22nd, 2021, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 660. That's what I did, and it worked for me. It's Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. I'm Matt, and that's Pete. How are you doing, Pete? I'm doing all right, Matt. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right, too. But, Pete, I need some advice. Oh, yeah? Dear Fenzel. (laughs) (laughs) So, see see a therapist. (laughs) You require professional help. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) I'm I'm a regular podcaster on a podcast you wouldn't recognize the name. It's too hip for you. But right. I, uh, you know, I, I have a problem where I need to come up with a topic every single week, uh, in order to do the podcast. Some days, some, some things are easy because Marvel has released a movie <laughs> and so, or a television show. And some, some weeks are very hard on what uh on on what what should we do on those on those hard days sincerely stumped in santa monica well stumped talk to your doctor about the mortal Kombat trailer and <laughs> see if it's right for you <laughs> so so yes by way of by way of background when you did ask okay what are we going to do this week for the podcast the mortal Kombat trailer that is the trailer for the new and upcoming uh, movie film of Mortal Kombat. I suppose you could call it a reboot of uh, which was for a long time the best video game movie that had been made, which was an honor bestowed in shame. Uh, it was coming out and it's, hey, we could talk about the Mortal Kombat trailer. It's got a lot going on. You know, Jordan was giving musicological bumps to it in the back channel. We were talking through all of the sort of, uh, at least in our minds, the weirdness of it. But uh, no, 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 you you uh, you didn't bite at the Mortal Kombat one, Matt. I you wanted advice. I wouldn't have advice. had. I wouldn't have had even the remotest background <laughs> to be able to be useful in that. It would have resembled the uh, the NBA episode, <laughs> which well, was Matt, a great, went... which was a great episode. Don't get me wrong, and I no, yeah. I took a lot away from it. As did did any of our listeners who are not sports fans or who uh, you know wanted the Fenzelian. Uh, slant on on the sports fans. It's true, but then I found a I found an article in, in online in the new I think the New Yorker online or something like that on their blog 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 where um they uh someone was was breaking down um advice columns and it struck me as a sort of interesting thing as a kind of interesting literary form and uh you know and I uh. I, I, I've always actually kind of harbored a secret wish that we could have done like a call in show or like a write in advice show for overthinking it. Uh, here, you know, as a supplemental podcast or as a re- recurring feature on the podcast. So if anyone wants to write in for advice, you know, I mean, you know us pretty well by this point, episode 600 and whatever, you're aware of our point of view. So if you feel like it would be valuable to you, we're happy to give it to you <laughs> gratis. You don't even have to join as a member in order to get the, uh, the advice show, though I guess that would be some good premium content. But, uh, I've, I've always thought it would be, you know, um, it would be interesting. And I have no illusions that we would solve, um, 
we would solve anybody's problems. Uh, <laughs> you have no illusions that we would solve anybody's Yeah, problems. exactly, that we would okay. solve anybody's problems. But I yeah. think that that's not like, you know, I think that this is, um, this, you know, this is actually one of the, one of the interesting things, one of the interesting kind of like open secrets or one of the interesting, um, you know, kind of consensual hallucinations of advice columns, right? Like that they're actually helping anyone as opposed to being just, just a kind of theater. I, you know, I have a favorite advice column and I'd like to hear yours if you have, if you have one, but my favorite is, uh, the ethicist. Ooh. Uh, in the, um, the feature in the kind of the front of the book feature in the Sunday supplement, New York Times Sunday supplement, uh, the New York Times magazine. It used to be written by a man named Randy Cohen, um, who was a comedy writer and had written for David Letterman's NBC show, um, the, the late, late night show, uh, before he moved to, before Letterman moved to CBS. And, um, that was, you know, it was very interesting. And I actually saw him when we were in college, he gave a talk and I went to it because like I was, uh, I enjoyed the column so much that I, you know, just went, went to see him. Um, and, you know, interesting, like little side anecdote. Uh, he said, or he was asked, um, and he said, uh, he had an answer like prepared. So he must be, have been asked this a lot. He was asked, what is the hardest kind of question? Um, that you get as the ethicist columnist for the New York Times uh, magazine on Sundays. I, I don't know. Actually, Pete, do you want to take a stab at the hardest question the the ethicist said that he got? Sure. Um, how, maybe it was this. Dear ethicist, due to an ancient pact that was forged before any of us were born, the realms of earth world and outworld stand on the brink of mutual invasion and annihilation, and it can only be forestalled temporarily by the ritual conducting of a tournament known to the ages as Mortal Kombat. Uh, and so I, I find myself in a situation, along with a variety of multi-ethnic and or stereotypical characters, coming together to engage in Mortal Kombat to defend Earthrealm from the outworld, but this tournament requires me to finish the person that I'm fighting. <laughs> Is is murder okay in the context of Mortal Kombat? Uh, sorry, I should say Mortal Kombat. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and I believe it's signed uh, Kano, <laughs> Liu Kang, Raiden, Johnny Cage, Scorpion, Sub Zero, Sonya, Mortal Kombat. Uh, I think it's, it's how it's signed. So that's, that's my question. That's 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 what I would guess the most difficult question to answer would be Goro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm only quoting the Utah Saints, of course. Those par- those paragons of uh, of of old of old world uh, uh, hol- holy morality and sanctification. The Utah Saints, the makers of the Mortal Kombat movie theme song, uh, which which is replayed, of course, in the Mortal Kombat trailer slowly and mournfully as part of a sort of heavy duty serious reboot of the franchise. Sorry, 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 Matt. What actually so the, is the, the hardest? The, what is the hardest question that the ethicist gets in the New York Times? So I, d- I just like everyone to remember here in our class this week that, uh, you know, once you've discovered the game, the second beat is really about elaboration. <laughs> so- no, 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 no. We're not going to do that the whole time. <laughs> I went too hard in order to keep that up for the entire episode. All right. It's, it's it is what it is. <laughs> so that's, um, 
what is the hardest thing? Oh, what did the ethicist actually say was the hardest question? Do, oh, oh, do you want me to actually answer it seriously? Like I, I what the hardest question. Well, is? I wouldn't mind. I can I can also tell you what he said. But if it's if it's interesting, I mean, is there one? Is there like an ethical everyday ethical conundrum that you would like write into a columnist about that you think would be harder uh, than than others? Well, because the ethicist wasn't really answering questions about stuff like abortion. Right. He wasn't like going really heavy duty no, on that was, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, it wasn't like uh it wasn't. It was like, I don't know. Actually I the I read them today. Uh we you know, we record on Sundays and so I read the paper this morning and it was like, um if I uh am I am I is it wrong to volunteer at a food bank if I'm only volunteering at a food bank to because I know that I'll get vaccinated for COVID early, mm-hmm. you know? Um, you know, that it's that, that kind of, that kind of question. So questions that have to do with kind of motives and sort of, you know, everyday, uh, everyday situations, a lot of like parent child stuff about like, I don't know, like, how do I care for my aging mother? Or like, if I, you know, am I like, uh, is it ethically correct to act in her interests, you know, with a power of attorney or something like that, even when it's against her express wishes, like that, uh, that kind of stuff, like hard, hard interpersonal problems, but yeah, no, nothing like, um, nothing that's kind of irresolvable, you know, without recourse to, uh, uh, to anything besides, you know, reasoning, I suppose. Right, right, right. So it's not like, should I take the last slice of pizza or leave the last slice of pizza? Because if I take it, I feel greedy. But if I leave it, then I've created this sort of suspended situation of of panopticon where everybody's going to be looking at the place of pizza and i've generally reduced the utility for everybody because i've turned the last slice of pizza into a thing that is is not going to be pleasant anymore and i've generally reduced the value of the pizza by one slice for everybody you've created more you've created moral hazard whereas if you ate the last slice of pizza your friends would be you'd create a lot of utility because your friends would be united in thinking you're a jerk Right, right, right. It's simple. The simplicity itself has value. Right, right. <laughs> as long as everyone has enough to eat, of course. You, as long as you've ordered enough pizza, that's that's where it starts getting complicated. Why you need a professional ethicist? It's uh, no. What actually is the hardest question that the ethicist? Uh, duty, duty to report questions. He said, "Like I know oh. my, I know my friend's wife's having an affair. Do I, you know, do I tell him? Mm. Or or my friend's husband is having an affair. Do I tell her? Right, right, right. right. And and he said, <laughs> and like we were all like wrapped. Like he's like, what do what's the answer? And he said, well, I, I don't know the answer because it really depends on the people and the circumstances. The thing I try to get across in the column is that your, your obligation is to the happiness of your friend and not to some absolute idea of right and wrong. Right. Um, right. And that, you know, which was his, that like, there were, there are a lot of ways, but that, I feel like that is an actual ethical position. It's like defensible. It's falsifiable. It was, you know, it was a very, a very interesting thing to hear. Now they actually have a real ethicist writing it, a real, oh, no. a real. I remember when they changed the writer of it, right? Which was, it was like 15 years ago at this point. Yeah, that it's they a changed. while back. And I just lost total interest in the column because I used to read it a lot. And then it I did, lost interest. It stopped being written by a comedy writer for sure. That was a, it, there was a marked difference in tone being written by, by an academic. I actually like the person, um, who they have, who they have writing it, whose name is, um, Kwame Anthony Apaya, if, if memory serves correctly, who is the author of a, uh, an interesting book that has been on my like Kindle, you know, to read list, uh, not being a member of the Nook, 
the the book Nook Nook <laughs> book, <laughs> as, yeah, as you are, um, called Cosmopolitanism, which is about uh, you know a particular a particular um, slant on modern. Uh, you know, kind of some phenomena of modern society and multiculturalism and things. Sounds toasty. I know. Seems like an seems like an interesting book, but yeah, it's a uh, the um, you know, and and I I sort of I've I've come to really appreciate his uh his slant, um, which I think is very humane. Uh, it's very humane, and he's also very good at kind of identifying the question behind the question. Um, yeah. Anyway, do you have a, do you have a favorite advice column? So I don't read advice columns anymore, but I do listen to advice podcasts and I do hmm. enjoy several advice podcasts. I guess what I'll, I'll compare two of them. One of them, unfortunately, oh, I just looked up and it looks like one of them stopped producing new episodes in 2017. So it's been a hot minute. <laughs> can I can I cite a favorite archival <laughs> yeah. uh, advice podcast that no longer exists? Because these two advice podcasts. Did, did someone did someone get to the last episode of the podcast and then finish it? <laughs> Something along those lines, yes. Uh, but but it's no, it's just been it's been frozen in time and is waiting for an uppercut to get to get moving again. Um, but so so I listened to I listened to the Motley Fool family of podcasts, which is about stock market investing, and ah. uh, and they have it's interesting they have an answers podcast, which is a write in advice show most of the time. Like they have mailbags, they have a lot of mailbags. They have other times where they go up on general topics, but they have lots and lots of mailbags, and it's most notable in the contrast from the other stuff that they do. And I think that's one of the things I find interesting about advice columns generally is what are they up against? They often stand out a lot from the other content that's being produced in the thing that you're reading them in. So I used to read a lot of Savage Love, right? I used to listen to Savage Love cast all the time. This was oh, back yeah. when I was, you know, I mean, we could even we could do a whole podcast sort of just a, about the Savage Love another, cast. And another person who's like stuff. who's like has a, an interesting point of view and also is a good entertainer as well. Yes. Yes. Um, which is, uh, I, it's kind of like, I don't know if that's a, a necessary condition to really being a successful ad, uh, advice columnist, but yeah, d- uh, for sure. Dan Savage, uh, super, super interesting. I used to read him in the throwaway weekly, um, in, uh, in LA. And I used to read him on the onion AV club. Oh, right. So it would be funny. Cause it would be like a whole bunch of reviews of television shows. And then like all sorts, I was, I was going to, I was going to start talking about sex toys. And PG 13. Like, <laughs> I know chili peppers. Uh, so the uh there's a big contrast between oh the I, I read the dan savage column about chili peppers pete it was <laughs> mucus <sighs> membranes matt hot. <laughs> <It is hot. laughs> i already said toasty i can't say it again uh get over here <laughs> so um <laughs> just saying so- wear gloves when you wear gloves when you make your mole okay so a lot of the news that people consume about the stock market and investing is like, oh, this company is doing pretty good. This company is not doing so good. We like this stock. We don't like this stock, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, but then if you go over to the answers one, it's like, how do I convert? You know, I, I want, I have a, I have a 401k and an IRA and I want to roll the IRA 401k into the IRA, but I also want to make the IRA a Roth and I need to do that, you know, and I have five years left to do it before I retire. And I have this plan to do this drawdown. And so a lot of it is basically 
tax optimization. Yeah, right? It's like very it's specific. Not, it's not worth narrow. it five years before you retire to convert your <laughs> IRA into a Roth because the, you don't have the kind of horizon to realize the, to get the gains that you know that will make the the uh, you know no tax on on. Anyway, yeah, sorry. Get those so, games. So yeah, the, the advice podcast has already begun, right? <laughs> the, the advice podcast has always already begun. <laughs> but yes, it's one of those things where you jump from, man, Chipotle had a good week, right? To like, you know, oh, so my mother is dementia and I ha- I want to put things in an annuity for her, but I'm worried about losing the value of the principal, right? Like, what do I do, right? That kind of thing. And so I'll listen to that uh, with a different sort of ear than I'll listen to the other things that they do. And I would even venture to say that it's the opposite of what it often feels like reading or listening to an advice column or advice podcast, wherein the advice piece is the most frivolous part of the newspaper Mm. other than like the comics or the horoscopes Mm -hmm. in the sense that, you know, Oh, this is happening in Syria. This is what's going on, you know, with local politics. And by the way, you know, my, my, uh, my coworker is cheating on their husband. Should yeah. I tell him? Right. My my <laughs> neighbor just, hasn't yeah. returned my casserole dish, and at yeah. this point, it's too awkward to bring up. What do yeah. I do? Yeah. So my favorite advice podcast, which is unfortunately no longer with us, uh, that goes the other way, was something called the Everyday Driver Car Debate, uh-huh. which <laughs> which was a podcast where people would send in detailed information about their personal situation and their sort of personal identity and hopes and dreams. And they would try to determine the best used car that this person would buy. Oh, yeah. And and it would and the conversations were hours long. <laughs> Right, like it was, it was extremely <laughs> long. It was extremely detailed. You build it's and like the, a, it's like college admissions. You build up this whole like <laughs> psychological profile of someone based on these few documents yes. that you have faced about them, and you end up getting really personifying them in your head yeah. and getting getting into debate. No, no, Edith would not be happy in a in a Saab nine hundred. By the way, those things are are really hard to repair. The engine is installed sideways for for reasons passing understanding and no one even has the tools to work on them anymore. I mean, I understand what you're saying about the Nordic sense of it. Yeah, I got it. It's good. Yeah. And the people who were doing it were for the most part, I believe at least one of them was a pretty solid Porsche enthusiast. Mm. So the answer was often the Porsche they could afford, uh-huh. which was often a Porsche that was very old. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh yeah, the answer to your question is a very old Porsche. And it's like, you know, I don't know if a very old Porsche is really the answer to that question. But at the same time, this is this is part of the conundrum, right? Is that if you were to just take the question in a vacuum, hi, you know, I'm a I'm a father of two. I haven't felt like I've had a fun car in a while. I have about twenty, fifteen thousand, twenty thousand dollars to spend. I want to get something that's practical, but also something that gives me a little bit of a thrill. You know, what should I get? Uh-huh. And and they come around to like, you should get like a nineteen eighty five Porsche nine eleven, <laughs> <laughs> which you shouldn't get. But here's the thing: don't, if you send don't get that a Miata, letter, whatever. <laughs> don't, yeah. If you send that letter. Or that that email to the everyday driver car debate that very often recommends that people buy old Porsches. You have to, at some level, be hoping that they recommend that you get an old Porsche, <laughs> right? Yeah, you, that's it. That is that's very interesting. By the way, I saw I, I occasionally search online, Pete, and I I saw. Um, 
Oh, I saw a, a 135i convertible, low mileage, really, really calling out to me. And I thought, yeah. wow, if I had a job, I would, I would, <laughs> I would be really down for, for, uh, uh, inquiring about that, inquiring about that the, automobile. The, the, so, so the time that you and I were talking about BMW one series cars was the time when I was listening to this podcast. I oh, think. Yeah. And it was probably influencing me, but, but, I, but that notwithstanding, I think that there is, a critical selection bias in advice columns that is not just what letters the advice column chooses to publish, but what sh- which advice column you consult with for your problem, expecting a solution that is in fitting with what that advice columnist might say, right? It's, yeah. it's like, it, in, in that sense, that's if we're talking, thinking about, okay, well, what is an advice column doing, which I think is part of the question that you had coming to this this, you know, it is, it is endeavor. It is the one of the questions behind the question. Exactly. Exactly. One of the questions behind the question. And it's right? not, it's not giving advice. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> or, or not, not just giving it, not just giving advice, but like what, yeah, exactly. What, what is the point of these things? I mean, I, I just want to sort of briefly stick a pin in the idea that you've brought up that like, it's different if it's like the, the podcast format or the radio format, I should say, because like the, you know, the kind of the or example of this is car talk, you know? Mm. And I, I actually once heard them debate. Someone called, someone, uh, called in and said, can you recommend a car that, you know, that I should get? And they were like, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. And they, you know, from this capsule biography, they, they built up a recommendation. And like, um, the banter, you know, the banter is, uh, key to something like that. So it's different from like, if you're getting a sort of univocal person like Dear Abby or Miss Manners or Dear, you know, any of the, the website ones, Dear Prudence or something like yeah. that. But like, um, it's different to be like, this is I, what I'm trying to do is to occasion a conversation between, you know, two points of view that goes in a certain direction, you know, that, and to try to like nudge that conversation in a certain direction, which is actually the name, nudge that conversation in a certain direction of the overthinking it advice podcast available to members behind the, uh, behind the paywall where, where Pete and I just do our thing, but you can ask us <laughs> questions, <laughs> uh, about the, thing anyway sorry pete i sidebarred off of of uh your point i i you know return return the floor to you mr speaker no it's all right (laughs) so okay so let's say for example that you were part of a ninja clan right (laughs) right and there was another ninja clan that you had a long rivalry with but you also had a personal enmity with somebody else in the ninja clan right if you were to find out, right, to to call upon the subjective in this time of need. Wait, in my that, own ninja clan, I have a personal personal enmity, or like there is a rival ninja clan, and within that rival ninja clan, I have a uh, a particular antagonist. Yes. Okay, yes. got it. So, I understand. So, so, so you have a particular antagonist who is in a rival ninja clan, and uh-huh. I want to layer on several complications to the situation. Okay. Right? Yep. One of the complications is that. The person that you bear the personal enmity for uh-huh. is dead, but you don't know it, and somebody else is using their name. And because they're ninjas, they always wear masks, so you don't necessarily know whether or not a given person right, is inside the mask and using the nomenclature of the ninja that you have the rivalry with. Do you carry forward your rivalry with this other ninja with the same name as them, because in, you know, in carrying forward that ninja name, they're also carrying forward all the sort of accounts payable that 
come with that particular vendetta. Secondly, what if you were dead yourself and it had to come up from the underworld as a sort of fire wraith that could shoot spears from his arms and breathe fire out of his skull? Would you feel like you still have an obligation to fulfill the vendettas that you had in life or should you be looking for new projects, right? And then, of course, the third one is that due to an ancient contract, right, between Outworld and Earth, you have to periodically enter into the ritual of Mortal Kombat and you find yourselves both in this tournament against each other. Is the tournament a means to the end of revenge? Is revenge a means to the end of the tournament? Could you possibly team up against Shao Kahn, the Lord of Outworld? Or is such a thing unthinkable? I mean, I, I, I'm i sorry, I'm sort of answering my own question as I ask it because some questions are just too hard to ask. But um, Yeah, Pete, but- in order to, to transport your Ninja Clan, you're going to want the 2021 Porsche Panamera. <laughs> 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 the four door. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> as, as, as I like to get it, get it in black, or as I like to call it, noob cybot. Right? <laughs> uh, okay. So what we're proposing here? So okay, I read that New Yorker article that you posited, right? Uh-huh. And one thing, there are many things that jump to mind about the New Yorker article because the New Yorker article, and I'm not going to say the New Yorker article is a prerequisite to listen to this podcast, but it was very primarily concerned with professional advice columnists who are known in literary circles as well as in uh, the circles of people reading periodicals. Yeah, that's true. And, and so it was a particular slice of this world. It was a cogent slice and one that which I think the author had a sincere interest But uh, I was particularly interested in the differences between the slice of the advice columnist pie that was being presented in the New York article and the slice that I more frequently encounter in my everyday life. For example, right – or not for example, but to drill down more specifically um, and putting aside various you know, four-armed guards of Shang Tsung, Shao Kahn, et cetera, et cetera, yada, 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 um, is uh, that they said in the article, oh, you know, these articles when – Dealing with questions from women often get into very intense personal questions, questions that have social impact, questions that might have a conflict between what's political and what's, you know, pragmatically useful, right? The situation of do you have a responsibility in a situation that's very difficult for you as the victim of something that's happened that's bad to kind of carry forward the categorical imperative of how, you know, you think everybody ought to behave or do you need have an obligation to look out for yourself, Right. Um, I, I would not begin to answer that other than to say you do you. Right. Um, that's what I guess they're trying to do. And I think generally they're pointing out that there's no real satisfying answer to that question. But the other side of it is the advice for men is like, what necktie should I wear? Right. Mm. And so so they were saying that in, in these sort of literary and literary adjacent uh, columns for advice, the questions that men ask that they get answers to were very trivial and surface level. Whereas if, like me, you read stuff like our relationships, right, you read like like open-ended requests for advice that take the form of kind of open-source columns on various sorts of message boards and social media outlets, the questions that you're most likely to see from men are like very desperately sad. That's very right? – I mean that's interesting. I, it is true. I, I opened with a uh, New Yorker article or uh, as they call it, Remnick's Gambit. And uh, you countered with the uh, <laughs> with the Reddit with the uh, you know r slash relationships um, defense, and I'm not I I have you know on occasion dipped my toe into the uh, into the stream of um, 
uh, our slash relationships. And I know I, I forget who said it. Was it Heraclitus who said you can never step into the same river twice? The only I, th- the- I think it was I think that was actually uh, was that Kung Lao, I think, who said that. <laughs> It might have been either Katana or Molina. I'm not sure. <laughs> but the, uh, you know, it's it actually seems like exactly the same river every time I step into our <laughs> yes. slash relationships. Because- every time I get uppercutted off the bridge into the river, right? It's the same river. <laughs> um, e- excellent. Yeah. Um, so the, the, I mean, a lot of the advice there is to like end your relationship or as they call them, finishing moves. But the... <laughs> You know, the, the, sometimes they're brutalities and sometimes they're friendships. Uh, sometimes they're babalities and that's where it gets rough. Uh, but but I mean, I guess what it's it's there's an issue where on an advice column, the editor and the uh, to the extent that the advice columnist is their own editor has to determine the topics of interest that they're going to use for the audience, which has a dual purpose of engaging the audience's interest and also putting forward a brand for the advice columnist. And, and allowing the advice columnist to write successful columns, right? So there's multiple goals. Whereas in our relationships, the train wrecks get voted up like all the time, right? Because it's, it is only the interest of the audience that dictates uh, – and they're not, not in terms of, of sort of a deep or abiding interest, but the knee-jerk, right, trauma recapitulation interest of the audience, right, is, is what votes up things. So things are either utterly absurd or really, really bleak. That end up at the top of of our relationships most of the time, I think, right? Like very banal or very severe. Um, whereas the uh, yeah, I read um, I read them, Pete. Yeah, and it it just I don't know. It makes me so sad, right? Like because you see you see people. I mean, I guess people like I don't know how much of it is theater. I don't you know it's on the internet. No one knows your uh, you know dog or whatever you are. Um, but the the that was a New Yorker uh, cartoon, I suppose. <laughs> Um, on the internet, no one knows you're a dog. And so like, you know, I, I don't know how much these things are like theater or, or how, how much yeah. they are real, but that, that like, you, you see these people sort of talking around and about relationships where like intimate relationships where people really fail to take care of each other in yes. pro- profound ways. And yeah. that, and not like, you know, that's, that's very sad when it happens in families, but you didn't, you didn't pick the family that, that you are, are born into. But like in, in partner relationships, like in intimate partner relationships, it's very, very sad because, you know, at least, at least most of the time you want to hope that people are there voluntarily, you know, and like, yeah. The, uh, you know, absent, absent any like uh, particularly egregious shenanigans, uh, you know, uh, people are there voluntarily and, and, you know, you get the sense that people feel like they don't deserve better, which is very sad. I, wow, that took a turn. Anyway, so well, you, so you just don't have to be Mortal Kombat is the point, right? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, anyway, yeah, I suppose but, they don't. They're, they're, uh, I, um, what was that, that Beethoven movie? Immortal, beloved, the opposite of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Beethoven second, that Beethoven. <laughs> um, so, okay. So the main reason I bring it up is not necessarily to bemoan the horrible suffering of people who are having really bad things or even just very trivial things that indicate that the relationship is like totally off the rails. But it is interesting because you've brought up this, we brought up a couple times this idea of advice and these things not giving people advice per se. So I guess I'll throw out there what I would think is the surface level definition of what advice, an advisory relationship might be, which is that, you know, someone has a problem 
and they go to somebody who has a greater degree of expertise or experience in the area or merely just an independent perspective to uh, direct them to take a course of action, either either a course of action or perhaps a, a stance of mental footing, right, uh, in order to uh, overcome their problem in some way, right, in order to better their situation. The idea is I can't better the situation myself. Somebody else who knows more than I do, or at least isn't me, should tell me something that will enable me to overcome my problem yeah. to a greater degree. Is that sort of what advice we would generally see as, you know, in, in an advice column per se? Sure. I mean, something yeah. something like that. And I, I connect it to the idea – you know, um, I think last week I brought up Stephen Fry's uh, little disquisition that he gave on, you know, d- 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 comedy in America and comedy ver- in, in the right. UK, whereas like Americans want to be John Belushi and the UK comedians want to be the, the guy whose guitar gets smashed because that's uh, that's just a, a kind of clown position that they're more more comfortable taking um, for a whole host of cultural reasons. Right. And uh, he, he sort of connects it to the to the sort of American mania for self-improvement like that that like you are you know the idea the idea because here's one thing that you don't see a lot in in um uh in advice columns which is that this sucks uh sometimes life sucks and the the quicker you can bring yourself around to accepting that life sucks for some people sometimes for all of us sometimes uh you know the the happier you'll be because you'll arrive at some sort of equanimity with it rather than like fighting against it uh all the time you know and that right, like right. um that that you don't you don't hear a lot so there is like a connection to this sort of to this sort of mania for this mania for optimization you know um right like the the uh i don't know like um the answer you know that the answer is there's there's some way to do this better right like there's some way to be either more skillful or more virtuous or more you know or to kind of like manipulate your people uh around you which is a, a bad way to live but you know, sometimes is, is recommended to people and like, uh, that, that like this, this in itself, like the, the, the precondition for writing into an advice column, you were talking about selection bias before it's like, okay, the people who like write in, you know, or the people who read, right. The people who, whose response to a problem in their life is I'm going to write this advice column. I, I read about, about this, uh, you know, the, and the people's, the people whose letters, whose letters gets, selection selected there's like a precondition to all of this which is that like you know it's it's the proper job of a publication to sort of help people optimize their lives because that's that's a a thing that people would want you know like people people want help with uh people want help with these um with these things i i mean i don't know i i connect it i connect things like this to status anxiety at least that's just my knee-jerk reaction to things like this because it reminds me of like emily post you know like ann landers Mm -hmm. like an emily post i feel like are are actually didn't they appear in (laughs) syndication alongside one another um or miss manners or whatever you know whatever the whatever ann landers yeah. yeah whatever your syndicate um 
you know, uh, had contracted with to, uh, to syndicate, but like Emily Post only makes sense with a middle class, right? Like uh, manners, you know, the idea of like a, a guidebook for manners, like, no, you know, you think, uh, you think that, um, you know, the, the Duke of Grantham, you know, ever read a guidebook for manners? No, it was in his blood. And by the way, his butler knew it all by heart anyway, right? Like the idea that well, like, he was trained in it in classes, probably as a kid though yeah i mean not not what you and i would think of as 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 classes but uh he was probably just beaten savagely when he came up with the wrong answer for anything <laughs> so that like you know Car- carson's a dark man he's a dark guy man there's a you know past he's got a past um that he's but it's like it's it's indoctrination it's not education you know it's like this is this is how we live you know even the the um, the, the way that you just sort of learn how your family operates, uh, as you, you know, as you grow up, you know, um, that, uh, the, the, you know, that we like the way, the way that we just know, you just know that you get to pick one present on Christmas Eve and open it, but then most of the presents come from Santa and those are delivered on Christmas morning, right? Like that little, that little house rule to, to Christmas monopoly, you know, that is not written down in a guidebook anywhere. You just, you just know it because I'm like, I'm, I'm baffled by this conclusion. I'm baffled by the idea that children aren't read books that tell them what Santa Claus is going to be doing (laughs) because it, it, it happens like every night, right? Like it's, it's, I don't know. I, I don't want to get. I don't get feisty about it. It's not that important. But sure, it's... but do you? I mean, do you do you open presents on Christmas Eve or do you open them on Christmas morning? Right? Like, do, people take different different yeah. approaches to all of this, right, right, right. right? And everyone has a different a different set of practices. They're not there. There's no like manual. You know, um, there there would be now if only the rich people had Santa Claus and there was a a really big swath of the middle class that like wanted Santa Claus to come, but you could only have Santa Claus come if you made the right decision for when to open your presents. You know, there would be a whole Santa Claus advice section. There would be like Santa Claus manners you know it would be like the 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 the, uh the filling of the cookies and the temperature of the milk you know that would be like um a whole section in in the bookstore uh and so like the the idea of you know a manners book an etiquette book being connected to someone needing it you know being connected to a market for for that kind of thing as opposed to it just being kind of received knowledge that's passed down um, you know, through, through practice and through, um, uh, kind of fan, in, indoctrination. Uh, and, and I guess that the connection I'm trying to make, Pete, is that, that, um, advice, sort of advice is the same. Advice is the same sort of, sort of thing, right? The, the democratization, you know, um, has, has something to, to do with it and the idea that like the, the idea that there is an anxiety uh and and even an anxiety about authority you know um has has to do with what is going on kind of behind the scenes uh and is kind of what we talk about when we talk about when we talk about giving advice because like you know growing up my mother's answer would be like you go to the priest you know that and and uh in the absence of that um, when a, you know, sort of communities kind of elders or, you know, first among equals sort of 
person is evacuated, um, there is a different, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, th- I think that like the genre, the literary genre of, of advice in its more direct, uh, or, you know, more literary and Baroque forms, um, has a chance to take root and flower. So I disagree incredibly strongly with everything you just said. <laughs> um, that's what the but, people pay for. <laughs> exactly. So let's, this is why advice is terrible because you ask one person, you get one thing and you ask another person, another thing. I actually took etiquette classes when I was a kid. It was a thing that happened in my town where I was growing up. There was a woman who lived on the edge of town who would invite the middle schoolers, uh, through their parents to come take an etiquette and ballroom dancing course. Um, at this church next to a graveyard, which I did. So I'll, I'll, I'll posit this, right? One alternative way of looking at it. So, so okay. So I, I won't disagree fiercely because I think you, you, your framework makes total sense, right? Which is that social courtesy. I'm particularly talking about courtesy, right? Courtesy and manners are contingent of the social group that you're part of, right? And so if to the degree that they function and do you any good, it has to do with who you want to be talking to and why. And the question of whether these people ought to have authority or not is part of that, right? Well, should I really care what these people are saying? Should I really be going to these things with these people in the first place if they want me to behave in a way that is bothersome or demeaning to me, et cetera? Um, I don't think, though, that the absence of a guidebook on manners obviates the need for courtesy. Nor, and, I, and I would posit that the alternative, which is where there are elaborate rules for courtesy and no one tells them to you at all, right? And and they are moving targets, you know, all the time for if people want to kind of exclude you, include you, whatever, someone new comes around, they have totally new rules, in a lot of ways is worse. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, it, it's partly because when I think about courtesy, I'm thinking about respectful behavior. And So, for example, when people talk about behaving themselves in a workplace, people have such issues having a vocabulary for talking about behaving themselves in the workplace in like a basic way. Right. Like like they feel that a lot of the time, you know, well, this is this doesn't bother me and I live by the golden rule. Or you could even say in the context of this conversation, in my particular circle of people, this particular behavior isn't reproached. Right. It's fine. So therefore, you know, if we really do live in a community where everybody's own rules are being respected, then I'm going to behave the way that I behave and it should be fine. Right. You might think that's the reality of your situation, because when somebody else says it, they sound credible, but you don't sound credible. Right. Because we know deep down you're misbehaving. And so there's a need to uh, educate people in how and how not to act even super basic ways. Right. Even up to and including how to say hello to people, when to say goodbye to people, how to greet people. Right. Like these things all have real material problems associated with them. Right. Like you touch people the wrong way, a way that's familiar to you, a way that's not good for them. You get yourself in a lot of trouble and you also hurt them or bother them. Right. And so, like, I I would think that if we even if we started treating it more formally and actually had manners on it and treated it like a courtesy, Maybe it would be better than the way we're doing it now, which is as like an, a constant argument. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm speculating here, but I do find something comforting in the notion that if you put in the time to learn the customs of a group that you're entering into, you can behave in line with those customs in superficial ways. And they rec- they might recognize if they're decent that you at least made the effort right, to try to act in a way that made things comfortable for them. And it would – Build the beginning of a relationship, which is a thing that you both want, right? So, so I mean, I would, I would say, 
I would also say that there's no possible way that you're going to come across how to eat with all those utensils just out of osmosis. I don't think so anyway. Like my dad tried that and it didn't work. You would, you would I mean, <laughs> yeah. you you would if you were at the the Crawley's table, you know, the, the, I mean, uh, I think they tell you, I think they teach you. I think you have to take classes. Sure. People what, have governesses, right? Like, I, well, I think that's right. What, what I meant is that as a commercial, as a, like, as a market segment, you know, right. um, the, the rise of the rise of advice or the rise of etiquette, books you know as a market segment has to do with a yeah yeah, uh, yeah with the rise of a of a middle class but yes of course like you know even before there was a middle class people people were polite or respectful in various ways or you know or else suffered whatever social opprobrium or you know material consequences were attendant on their transgression and like uh you know people behaved with courtesy if you know if only because there were courts you know and people were like uh <laughs> People Capital be- C and lowercase C, right? Right. And people <laughs> behaved in a courtly <laughs> courtly manner. At least you hope, you know, you hope that they did. Um It's tough, man. I guess I would say, yeah, that the like the sort of descent of fashion from an elite thing to a middle class thing that's accompanied by the industrialization of the production of like fashion garments, right? Which I guess accompanies the creation of manufacturing of fashion etiquette. Uh, I totally am with you on that. I see what you mean. It's like it, it's weird because it's sort of like path dependent on where you're coming from. If if you are if you are what what was it before and what is it now? Um, and we can't go backwards. I guess it, it's the the arrow of time, the arrow of courtesy. Yeah, right. So yeah, this so is I mean this has been a long things. way. This yeah. has been a long tangent, right? Right. But around the idea of what do you think? You know, what do you think people are hoping for? Right when they when they write in, or what do we think is going on? You know, when someone writes yes, into yes, an yes, advice yes. column. Right, right, right. And it's so it's and we have obviously we have different ideas, but also it's it's saying, are you looking to be accepted? Is that what we're positing here as one of the objectives of an advice column? I want to be accepted by somebody. And the evolution of the advice column from a a practical guide to courtesy and manners to something written by a comedian about ethics or a sort of involved in salacious you know, like savage love thing where it's like you're spending a lot of time with some very, very narrow and specific ideas in order to kind of be thrilled at the possibilities that people in life engage in and also to assuage your own anxieties about how weird you are. Uh, but but it's like, um, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's uh, man, I lost I lost my train. I thought they were sort of laughing at laughing and sitting there listening to savage love and somebody's like, Oh man, you know, I, every I need to wrap myself in an animal skin in order for things to, and I'm sitting there being like, I don't understand myself at all, but I don't <laughs> think I'm this. Right? <laughs> but, but just this idea of like the advice column evolves from, I want to be accepted by other people. So you're going to tell me how to do that to I want to be accepted by you, the advice columnist. Right. Like I want to relate to you and feel seen by you and understood by you because I read your column all the time and it would be really cool if you helped me with my problem. Right. And that's right? like, that's like to, to a certain extent. Yeah, that is that is kind of like step zero, isn't it? And like even if there isn't an easy or yeah. or even I mean, it's a, step a po- sub zero when you get right down to it. It's before you even start. Yeah. <laughs> um, that that I mean, that. <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to be right in your side of the conversation. It's <laughs> Ermac, <laughs> sorry, go on. All right, class. Now the third beat of. The, of I'm just the, blowing smoke. Sorry. 
Um, the, uh, like I, it's, it's funny. This would have been a, this, this is the best podcast on the Mortal Kombat trailer that I am <laughs> capable of producing. Pete. Like there's, you know, this is, this is actually yes. probably and like all good podcasts on the Mortal Kombat trailer. It's about Ann Landers, right? Like that's... <laughs> the, um, Okay. Oh. <laughs> Dear <laughs> Reptile, I never thought this could happen to me, but I was fighting in a ninja fight the other day and I took my face off and I spat acid at somebody. <laughs> Am I going through some sort of change? Like, relax, it's normal, right? Like, comes the time, if you wear green as a ninja, where you get a lizard face, right? And depending on the graphical capabilities of your console, right, it might Actually, be an actual lizard face. Like, what's what's happening to me is this normal, like, you know, falls into a category of, like, adolescent advice books, which are often written in this, like, question or answer or, yeah. you know, quasi-epistolatory style uh, for exactly the reason that that you're talking about pete i think because it's like no you're not weird right like that's the big that's the big takeaway from from a lot of that stuff is like yeah it feels weird but no you're not weird like you know there's a whole range of stuff that's going on and there's a whole range of normal and you're you're almost by definition probably not outside of it um but that like you know that is interesting because the first the kind of the first need there is like you know i see you you know you're okay like that that sort of reassurance and that that um you know sort of uh what i think in therapy they call it like the holding environment you know the idea where the 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 analogy being to like as you know as a parent of a young child as you well know like you you hold the child you know and it's like you're okay like we're we're you know we're we're here we can address the problem <laughs> like whatever right. you know whatever you're working get on get over here right <laughs> you're yes. you're here i'm here <laughs> we're here <laughs> uh that like that that is um you know, that that is kind of like the, the, the step zero for, you know, for just, just, I don't know. Yeah. Just sort of wanting to be seen. And the, I think the, the, the idea of like adolescence handbooks, you know, being, um, which, you know, uh, we only became a market segment when there were teenagers because previously there were no teenagers, Pete, there no. were no teenagers there were uh children and there were adults and there there were no teenagers i'm only half joking um the uh i mean adolescent adolescence meant something different back in the day than it does now right like the the latin terminology for i mean you were an adolescence into your early 20s um and the idea that it's like well you're not quite a man meant something a little bit different in this sort of culture of masculinity that like you're in a state of, of psychological and physical transition. Um, right. It's, it's more, it's, it's more about social status, uh, the youthfulness. I don't know. I don't want to get into it too much, but yeah, like, I mean, you, you're the one who did a podcast on teenagers for all those years. Um, <laughs> I mean, were they, did they, are they, I don't, you know, they, it was, was it a podcast about teenagers or was it a podcast about, uh, about sociology, international relations, uh, and urbanism? <laughs> I mean, the, you tell me, man, you tell me, uh, you know, <laughs> Um, so like, uh, it's interesting that in talking about this, we get, we get sort of pulled off into, um, these these tangents where we're actually talking about specific instances of advice it's sort of hard to talk about like advice giving and advice receiving um 
in the abstract. Do you have good sources of advice in your life, Pete? Like, do you feel like there are people that, that you go to for, for particular things? Um, I, you know, I, I go to, I mean, everybody has their go-to characters, but sometimes you just want to put it on random. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I also, I was conflicted by either saying that or saying, yeah, you know, sometimes I go to hug people and it just feels like my arms are made out of metal. Uh, <laughs> and even then I can't, can't wear a shirt. No. Okay. So, so this is something I've encountered recently and I'm curious what you think about it. Um, because I, I do have, I have friends, you know, like you, right. That I talk to fairly regularly even with COVID and whom I talk to about personal situations and I, and I seek advice on it. But I would say that when I was younger, there was this notion of you got to let the dogs out of the basement was the extent to which I understood it. This notion of if you have a problem and I'm not going to say, yo, I solve it. It's more, if you have a problem and you really need to talk about it because you're distressed, something that a friend might do for you is listen to you while you talk about it. Right. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately in the context of really a lot what's going on in the world right now, where what a lot of us need is something that can't really be provided. So, you know, right now, a lot of us are living in a very hopefully temporarily, you know, know, mutated and warped notion of what our lives are normally like, where we don't have access to a lot of our really basic, you know, emotional and and physical methods of comfort and engagement with the world and with each other right like we're solitary and stuff and so like there's not really a ton of advice that you can give that's going to (laughs) alleviate this situation right like from the people who brought you bowling alone now (laughs) (laughs) i mean i was thinking about that right like uh, oh did we time this right because we're all already so lonely so we barely notice it but but i would say that um that I think that the idea that you go to your friends for a shoulder to cry on is has problems. And I don't want to say it's problematic, but I think that it has problems. And one of the problems, especially from the standpoint of the friend, is, you know, what is your role or responsibility in advising the other person on what to do? about their situation. Mm. And I would not even, and I would say the positive, the idea of a positive responsibility, right. Which is like, I have to advise you on what to do. Right. Is, is, uh, is, is also is different from the negative responsibility, which is like, if I don't advise you, right. Like you, you can, you can, um, I mean, I'm getting positive and negative mixed up, but I'm, I'm trying to describe a situation wherein if you have a problem and you go to one of your friends for advice, they if if they give you advice on what to do about your situation, right, uh, that's practical and actionable, right, versus if they don't, um, if they don't give you advice in terms of that's what's practical and actionable, then is are they being seen as tacitly supporting whatever course of action you're currently on? Right. So I, well, here not mo- many human issues require more than one conversation. That, that's where I want to start with this. And one of the issues with advice as a concept for the basis of a relationship is that it consolidates multiple conversations into single conversations. Sure. So you might go to somebody for support. You might go to somebody because you need to, to feel something that you're not allowing yourself to feel because you're using a defense mechanism or you're protecting yourself. Right. Like like you in your life, you can't 
you can't let your guard down. And so you want to go to somebody you can trust that you can let your guard down with. Maybe you maybe you can say something to them that's stupid or wrong because you're feeling it and you need to process it. Yeah, sure. You have, a, you have a friend. You can't you can't lose your cool and yell at work. Right. So you have a friend who you can go, you know, lose your cool and yell about all the stupid people you work with. I mean, not you, Pete, but, you know, and <laughs> and not me because, I, you know, I'm <laughs> employed. But the the I, I mean, I, I imagine that there are people in the world who have had to struggle with difficult workplaces and those people might have needed to vent. Right. Like that's, you know, and, right. uh, you know, they couldn't feel those things at, in, in the situation because of the, you know, the consequences and the. Yeah, absolutely. Huge, you know, huge, huge uh, thing. I, I, I yeah, I, I have a real uh, I have a real trepidation about giving advice to people in life because I, I feel like there is a very strong you broke it, you bought it uh, principle. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. in, in, play, in, in, um, uh, in a lot of things, but like you're, ta- you're talking about, you know, people want support, they want to vent, they want to, you know, uh, like kind of work it out. Like they want to kind of some sort of catharsis. Like, I, sorry, I interrupted you. You can pick up. From no, no, there. but so it might, they might not even know what they need or what they want. Right. So someone might come to you with a problem in a state of distress and then you might as a friend, as you're saying, feel a certain responsibility for what they choose to do in their situation, mm. right? And you might have to frame your conference. You might feel like you have to frame your conversation with them in the context of what you feel like they ought to do. Because if you don't, they're going to take it one way that way, regardless, potentially, right? Um, yeah. And yeah. It's, and so I, yeah. I struggle, Pete, with with this a lot, right? Because like. To, to a certain extent, like, I don't know if my friend cheats on their taxes, is it? Yeah, I, I don't think they should. I hope they don't, you know, but like, do I really need to get in there at every opportunity and be like, <laughs> but by the way, don't cheat on your taxes. You right, know? right, right, right. Um, but at the same time, if they come to you and say, oh, man, you know, I was really low on money and I'm really upset because I cheated on my taxes and you're like, cool. Right. Like that's that doesn't feel great either because it's like uh, it's now you're now you're sort of part of it, whether you want like thanks for telling me is one of the ways you can potentially react to that situation. But at the same time, they need to tell somebody. Right. Yeah. Um, So it's interesting. And there are situations I really inflated. I I really invented. I like got the Goodwill receipt book and I just started writing them out. You know, I just like. um, vintage, <laughs> vintage record player, $800, yeah. you know, the, um, yeah, I have that, donated 200 copies of the Saturday night live, the Saturday night fever soundtrack on vinyl, right. To various charities over the course of the last <laughs> calendar year. Uh, and, and they don't exist in my metropolitan area. So that's that if anybody even makes a cursory look, it's going to be an issue. I, I do. Um, I do sort of look at situations like that from a, like, Oh, what is that? I always got my my different ethical frameworks confused. Philosoph- I was the worst at at philosophy in college, but at a you know kind of consider the like the practical uh, the the practical implications of acting now. And if the person is already cheated on their taxes, right? Like there isn't that much upside, honestly, in uh, practically speaking, materially, I suppose, in like saying, well. I disapprove of the way you've acted, but gosh, it sounds like you were going through a tough, uh, going through a tough, uh, tough time right there that, that, uh, made you, made you claim to, you know, have donated a Picasso to the Salvation Army. 
Um, the, the, you know, I don't know. I just, the, the, I, I've struggled with it, but like the older I get, the more, the more I realize that other people aren't me. Yes. Yes. That's the other problem, right? Yeah, exactly. And that like, it's probably really mostly just a recipe for misery for me to, you know, in a situation where there isn't imminent harm to someone or, you know, I'm not talking, setting aside things like that, but like in in a situation where like someone may have done something I don't approve of and like now, you know, what, what, how do I deal with that person, right? Like do, how do I give advice to that person? Well, you know, you're really a POS for how, for doing the thing in the first place, but I guess I'm still your friend. So is not, you know, the way to maintain a lot of uh, close connections over the, right, right. Uh, over the course of your life. Right. Like, I don't know. Um, I mean, if I it's mean, really, what, if it's really that bad, you shouldn't be friends. With well, I, I think back to a train ride I took with a bunch of the overthinking it guys, this might have even been before we had overthinking it, where someone was asking questions about some dating situation and we each were giving our advice, right, for the situation mm. like you do, which which, again, I don't want to I don't want to downplay it because the ritual of what you got to do, you got to get an animal skin. OK, yeah. and then- <laughs> Well, because the ritual of sharing the story, commiserating about it, talking about it, each of us talking through it, there's a social value in it. That's, but the question is whether it's actually going to give you a course of action that's going to be effective for you, it, which is not the main goal of seeking advice. Right. And As you said, and yeah. you're talking about the overthinking it crew. So like an extemporaneous five paragraph essay is how we say I love you. <laughs> and I think I think it might have even been Jordan who said, hey, everybody, pause. We all just told them all to be like us. Like each of us gave advice that matched our current situation, right? However serious we were with whoever we were with, that was how we were advising someone to be serious with people they were going to be with. And and so – and this was at a time where people were all across the gamut in terms of their various levels of settling down or not settling down, right? And so it's worth noting that a lot of the time advice is, is a mirror, yeah, sure. Right. It's autobiography. Yeah, yeah. Like you tell somebody what you what you've anchored on. When you when you talk to me, what I think about is this. By the way, a lot of the time I'm thinking about myself. So it's uh, I mean, you could be you could be Curtis Stryker and just having blundered into Mortal Kombat three as just a dude with a gun. Be like, well, what am I doing here? And and then, you know, the robots like, well, shoot a net from your chest. Right. Or the ninjas like, well, disappear in a puff of smoke and teleport. And it's like, well, yeah, well, maybe I'm not like any of you. Right. Uh-huh. Maybe. And maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm going to be in, you know, Mortal Kombat and Armageddon and the 2011 Mortal Kombat. And, but I might not actually be a playable character in Mortal Kombat 10 or Mortal Kombat 11, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like, like you got to recognize when you're in the wrong game uh, or when somebody is one kind of character and they're giving you advice that works for them, right? Why don't you just, why don't you just fly sideways yodeling and then shoot a whole bunch of lightning bolts? That's what works for me, right? Well, <laughs> you're, a th- you're a thunder god. Of course it works for you, right? You know, I am a, I am an ancient banshee. Like I have to float briefly and I have to scream. Like that's what I have to do. Um, but, but then, then you, there's the notion of, okay, well, are people self-selecting people that are like them because they want advice for somebody that they feel is like themselves. And I'm interested in the situations where people get advice from somebody who is not like them at all. Right. And mm-hmm. what that says about what they want for their life or where they are. And again, I keep going back to Dan Savage because, I mean, I will I will have to talk a little bit about this because he was such an important figure 
and he probably remains. I don't know because I've kind of I'm not really part of that whole thing anymore. Um, like I, I don't listen to his podcast. I don't read his column anymore, but I did for a long time. And he's such an instrumental figure in the development of contemporary sexual social norms for certain people. He's uh, like a, he's like a, a regular Miss Manners, regular yeah, well, Emily Post. You would appreciate you probably would say it, but with a little bit of a ironic twinge to his voice. Um, but like you would my own feeling from it was that. OK, so there was here's the thing. There was a classic story that would come up periodically that I really identified with that he would sometimes tell, which was a story of the class of a writer of like a, of an, of an audience member who writes into him and has the, the question of like, hi, you know, I'm a guy I'm, you know, 22, 21, 19 years old. And I have, I, I can never make anything work, you know, with, with a girl or a woman. And I feel like uh, something's wrong with me. Could I be, is it possible that I'm gay? I've never been attracted to guys, right? But 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 my love life is an absolute disaster. Is it possible that I'm gay and I don't know it, right? And his answer was like, "Don't come to me with your problems," <laughs> right? Like, like <laughs> these are. I mean, I'm paraphrasing it, but it's basically like, "Don't put your problems on us," right? Don't don't like look for a gay person to put your straight problems on. Would be one of the ways he would answer that question. And I felt like it was kind of interesting because, of course, a lot of the a lot of the readership and viewership. You know, maybe not a ton, maybe not the lion's share is is people who are, you know, not having to deal with a lot of the problems he's talking about when he's talking about teenagers have to come out to their parents and like people who lead very atypical sexual lifestyles, having to find partners. Right. And and the sort of, you know, and, and you're calling in and it's like I try to take people on dates and it doesn't work. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, what's wrong? And it's like, no, you're just awkward and terrible. Right. Like that's that's your problem. And it's just it's interesting to think. OK, whatever it is that I'm doing for me isn't working. Somebody who's very unlike me might have a different perspective on who I should be than who I am. Mm. Right. Or what I think. And the idea that you might seek out somebody for advice who's very unlike you because you yourself are trying to reinvent yourself is an interesting phenomenon. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, have you uh, have you had any experiences like that in terms of identifying with a uh, an advice Columnists refusing to give advice on the grounds that the problem is irrelevant to what they're concerned with. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, that. Well, no, but I I did get. I mean, I it's it's interesting. The um, the uh, this morning's ethicist column had someone <laughs> who who uh, wrote in asking. Actually, in your in your great state of Massachusetts, Woo-hoo. where where if you uh, I, I gather in some maybe counties or municipalities, if you uh, volunteer at a COVID vaccination site, you yourself are el- uh, eligible for uh, vaccination before it is generally available to your you know availability group. Um, right. On account of you are uh, dealing with a higher risk population and like it would be better for you or for them if you you would be better as a volunteer, you know, if you were uh, if you were vaccinated, you're a more valuable volunteer if you're if you're vaccinated. And this person said, well, you know, there there are these kind of minimum thresholds and I've actually met mine and started and I'm still volunteering. I'm getting hours. Would it be right for me to, you know, um not get uh you know to not accept the hours i'm being assigned and kind of like 
pawn them off on other people I know, you know, who could volunteer and receive this benefit that I've received. Mm. Uh, and, you know, an early vaccine, like what, you know, is, is it, would it be desirable for me to do that? And like, am I stealing, you know, someone else's, uh, and, um, his, his answer was more or less, don't put your stupid problems on me. (laughs) He said, let me put it another way. Should I game the system in order to confer benefits on my, uh, confer benefits on, on my friends? Um, the, and you know, the answer is like, no, of course, of course you shouldn't game the system. Uh, in order to confer benefits uh on your friends the uh but like yeah the idea that you know the idea that like mm, yeah some 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 people want validation and want it in a way that that causes emotional labor for other people right <laughs> and like the 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 real you know the real um uh, I think about this when, whenever I like, whenever in life I'm, I'm, you know, uh, miffed about some miffed. I get miffed, Pete, because I read Emily Post. Uh, I, <laughs> you know, whenever I'm, um, what the, the, uh, what, what, what can we say in a PG 13 podcast? Booty hurt? Whenever I'm rear end hurt about something, you know, and the, the, I'm, I'm inclined to, I, I feel like, oh, I'm about to get pouty about this, right? Like I'm about to get like moody or recalcitrant or like i think like no it's not someone else's job to like jolly me into a good mood it's you know it's a great kindness when people are willing to do that for you when you you essentially sort of get lucky and catch someone on the right day or at the right moment but like no it's not someone's job so like quit it with your moody bs you know and don't uh and like you know get get uh you know get get Get, get your head on straight um that like uh, yeah <laughs> well, i would also say like well i also I actually have a lot of sympathy for people who are having a tough time and i would probably lean the other way and lean towards giving them too much advice or reaching out to them too much because it's like oh what about our responsibility for each other i don't know I, I, a lot of it comes down to how you feel about personal boundaries for better or for worse or how you manage your relationships but i don't know it's uh i just wanted to say that like man you know all this time and uh, I think this might be the topic on which we have like the most difference of opinion uh-huh. other than maybe, maybe uh ghostwriter. <laughs> maybe the Mortal Kombat trailer is really what it boils down to. Here's my advice for you, Matt. Watch the Mortal Kombat trailer. <laughs> You'll love it. It's great. It's got all the characters. They say their names in order. It's awesome. It's got several really stock uh, plots going on. The cinematography looks competent. Um, it's got Goro, man. I wow. mean, whatever's wrong, whatever you're dealing with, watch the Mortal Kombat trailer and it will all be better because that's what I did and it worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, so, well, Pete, as long as you're not like just constantly calling me all week being like, have you watched the Mortal Kombat trailer yet? Matt, have you watched the Mortal? I, th- I really think it'll help you. You know, I look, I'm just saying it to just saying it to help you. You know, um, <laughs> this is about you, man. This isn't about me. You're the one who asked for help, right? I'm most the one providing Mortal Kombat as a solution. Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, that's actually false. You did not ask for help, but that's the way these kinds of things sometimes go, right? That, that's uh, yeah. The the well, you know, um, 
I so I got yeah I want to I want to sort of talk about it forever because it's it's rare that we find ourselves in this sort of interesting territory where we have such a different point of view on a variety of issues but I'm afraid one thing that we all agree on is that our time is up for for this week so uh we'll uh you know if you want advice we're <laughs> right in and if this podcast hasn't convinced you that we are the right people to ask for advice I don't know what will cuz I hear the thing we we don't have any sort of dunning kruger effect going on here right like we have we know exactly how competent we are in <laughs> in the areas of advice that we give um for better or for worse uh, and so you you won't you won't get a uh, you won't get that sort of illusion um so so if that's not a selling point i don't know what is the yeah but, that uh <laughs> what, what topic do you feel qualified to give advice on that uh qualified to give advice on yeah uh i don't know the the... justified let me rephrase it what what's what what do you feel justified on giving advice oh sure um uh the the structuring of a large software application for me (laughs) for uh for long-term maintainability uh as opposed to sort of you know short-term business value at the expense of of long like uh that is to say lowering total cost of ownership of uh of software software projects. Also, what you should and shouldn't do uh, immediately after getting a bachelor's degree from a drama school. Oh, oh, that sounds like a topic of universal importance and interest to everybody. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I was one of the I, when I went to grad school I, to drama school. I was one of the older students, and I was you know in the unions already, and like it had some semblance of a career uh, already. And so I was you know people. I actually got hit up for for advice, um, you know, a little bit, and I had like one stock bit of advice that I you know that I would give over and over and, and over and over. And it was. Oh, uh, you actually want to want to know it? Um, it's that uh, you'll never you'll never be cheaper to support than you are right now, um, mm. and that you should capitalize on that uh, for for your career in entertainment, which is a huge risk. Um, because the the downside of taking huge risks career wise right now uh, is lower than it will be at any other point in your life. And so you can, you know, you can like, um, uh, one, one, I shouldn't call me Katie, he was a young man. I, I, I knew, um, sort of, uh, in this spirit, moved to Poland and like volunteered with a physical theater, like a Grotowski, you know, influenced physical theater, uh, troupe and like studied and trained with them for a couple of years, which was like awesome, you know, like the sort of, the sort of thing that, uh, uh, I wish I could have done, I, or I actually, it's not really my bag, but the, but the sort of thing that I would, the sort of, sort of thing that I, that, uh, you know, I wish I could have done rather than like, uh, getting a job, uh, getting an office job immediately after college. Like I never, I never realized that, um, what a commodity of scarcity, you know, uh, your youth is. And I suppose it was not advice in the traditional sense because I wouldn't advocate a course of action. I'd advocate a, a certain alignment, a, a realization of the, the, you know, a certain alignment of, of values. Uh, look, all I want to say, Pete, is that the value of software, uh, is in its softness. That is to say, you know, as opposed to like any other, any kind of manufactured good, it can be changed, you know, uh, and the cost of j- your, your job a lot of the time as a person designing software systems is lowering the cost of change, uh, for your, um, 
you know, for the business that, that the software is meant to support. Uh, and to the extent that you do that, you, uh, you, um, you know, uh, earn your, your paycheck that day. And the extent that you don't, uh, just remember, uh, you should write all software as though the person who has to maintain it after you, uh, is an ax murderer who knows where you live. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Why? What? What are you going to give uh, give advice on, Pete? Is it what? Uh, what car that I that I should get for? Uh, so you know, for most a, of the time, here's my advice, and this is something that you should take very seriously. Most of the time, when you're playing most Mortal Kombat games, people are going to jump at you aggressively with some sort of jumping attack. And without having to learn too much, if you go with Baraka and you just go back, back, low punch, you can go into his chop, chop blades, which are going to intercept most jumping attacks. Right. And and it's going to it's going to give you a little bit of time to get situated. It's going to do a decent amount of damage. It's not going to link you into his combos for the most part. But I would just say that if you want to play a Mortal Kombat character involving minimal work, I really do recommend Baraka just because, you know, he's his moves are easy to read. And and just that ability to create a sort of field, uh, you know, a sort of space control. Um, I mean, again, it's it's something that you have to rely on the other person attacking you. But in Mortal Kombat, you don't usually have that problem. Um, and so I would say that and also just the oldest and most broken down Porsche you can afford to buy and not afford to upkeep is really the solution <laughs> to car problems. Yeah, because I hear the parts. I hear the parts for those are dirt cheap, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure. You know, they, they reason they put the uh, the reason they put the engine in the back is because, you know, it's it just it's like going to the grocery store when you go get that thing fixed. It's great. Yeah, well, um, sure, because there's obviously going to be a qualified mechanic <laughs> in your, you know, little town in the middle. <laughs> Oh, Pete, I'm not sure. If if only we edited this podcast, I'm not sure what what outpoint that we should uh, uh, we should choose. But I will say it's been a genuine pleasure. Thank you for podcasting with me tonight. Of course, I feel advised. You know, I, I definitely do. And I say that advisedly. All right, we'll be yeah. back with more overthinking and podcast. Till then, visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. So, Matt, do you ever reach the end of the podcast and then you start panicking? Because you feel like you should be doing some sort of special thing to really cap it off, to really kind of like finalize and and just end it with a big flourish. But but you can't remember what buttons to push. And you just know that if you don't do it quickly enough, you're just going to run out of time. And then it's just going to be over.